Hello Internet, my name's Jonathan Cook. And I'm Matt Noble. And in this week's Screen Verdict podcast, we're going to be doing a film review yep. for the film Moneyball. Moneyball! Once again, we didn't see this together, no. so the bridge that had been repaired has <laughs> once again fallen down. I invited you to see it with me. I yeah. I had a Facebook event. Yeah, it was on like a Tuesday at like 11pm in like... <laughs> Hawaii. <laughs> I, I, but yeah. no, thanks, thanks for the invite. Actually, um, I did a Facebook event invited yeah. quite a few friends, <laughs> and uh, no one, no, no one could make it, so I had to change. I changed. This isn't the first yeah. time that Facebook <laughs> yeah. events have uh, let you down. Yeah, so I changed it to uh, to uh, a, a couple of nights later. No one could make that either. Um, yeah, I guess my friends didn't really want to spend time with me. <laughs> So this is a film about baseball. Yeah. Uh, a sports film. Mm-hmm. Usually something that not everyone is interested in. No. But this has kind of been billed as the the baseball film for people who don't necessarily like baseball. I read a review that said it's the, um, the thinking person's baseball movie and the baseball fan's thinking movie. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's slightly <laughs> less clever. <laughs> than the writer intended it to be, but it's okay. Yeah. We all have deadlines. It, it, it was the the line selected from the review for the Metacritic <laughs> summary. You're a bit of a baseball fan, though. I do like the baseball, for sure. Um, I've never played it. Um, other than in primary school, just a little bit with school, but not, not, a, not professionally or not... <laughs> Or not for a club or, a, you know, in a real competition, just yeah. a few little friendly games. And Yeah, I really like it. I, th- I think um, I think perhaps cricket gets a bad uh, rap in America for being for being not a great sport. Um, and I think baseball gets a bit of a bad rap in Australia for not being a great sport. I think they're both great sports. I really like baseball. I think there's something about baseball that um, is really exciting. I was about to say romantic, but that's a quote from the movie. <laughs> There's something about baseball that's really, I think, the fact that you can have some games that are 1-0 at the end of the game and other games that are like 17-16. Like, there's just such a large range of what the scores can be. There are just endless opportunities as to what you can get. What, what do you think about baseball? I quite like baseball. I probably prefer it to cricket. I feel like it's a similar sport, but condensed into two to three hours. Yeah. Uh, I like the fact... I actually played baseball for about three yes. seasons myself. Yeah, so you are school. a greater baseball fan than me, I would assume. Uh, yeah, I was I was an okay baseball player. Played B grade. Power hitter. Yeah. I'd regard myself Whoa. as. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, stay away, from, stay away from the inside of the plate. People, we were afraid me. People, people have referred to me as a power hitter, but I think they're being talking about something different. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> sort of sounded cool. I was, yeah. <laughs> I was like, "There's either a funny story behind this, or I'm just going to leave you hanging." <laughs> uh, so anyway, yeah, I do follow the baseball a bit, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I was quite interested to see to see the film. Yeah, I think there's something about. Baseball, you have that moment where you're two strikes down, two outs, coming up to the plate. Like, it's now or never. You've got that now or never moment in baseball, um, which we had this year in the World Series. The St. Louis Cardinals, on two occasions, were two outs 
on the board, two strikes on the board. They were one strike away from losing the World Series, and they came back from it. Yeah, what a series. What a fairy tale. Yeah. Unless you're from Texas. <laughs> so now we're going to talk about Moneyball, whether it yeah. did or died. Yeah. Uh, what's what's the premise of the film? Okay. Um, anyway, I'm going to say, I have something to confess here. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, I feel like I am still in a position to review the film. Yeah. However, I did actually miss the first ten minutes. What? Now, let me explain. Well, okay, let, let me explain oh why gosh. this is not my fault. Okay. I did go into the wrong cinema. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, not my fault. What happened was uh, I was at a, a Hoyt cinema. Yeah. And some employee there coaxed me into joining the Hoyt's rewards program. I've been wanting to join them. Uh, getting a card, I get like a cheaper movie ticket. Da 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 da. It was all good. I'm sure it's worth it. But yeah. when when they gave me a card, I didn't actually get a ticket saying which cinema it was in. I just got the card, and they said, "Go there. They'll tell you where to go." Yeah. So I go, and the person says it's in Cinema Four. So yeah. I go to Cinema Four. Wait a while. It's a bit longer than I expected. A bit more ads. I'm just like, yeah, but it started about the same time. The movie starts is the debt, the Helen Mirren, Sam Worthington film. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so I've, I've got to run out of the cinema, get to the next one, find which cinema Moneyball was in, and um, start watching the film from there. I think I only missed the, the very opening though. Uh, so anyway, you can explain the the start and the and the premise okay. of the film. Okay. Well, there's this guy called Billy Jean Bean Bean. Billy Jean's the Michael Jackson song. <laughs> uh, there's a guy called Billy Bean, and he's running a baseball club, the Oakland Athletics. Yeah, and they've had they've had a pretty good season. They've uh, made one of the they've made the playoffs. They uh, only just got knocked out by the New York Yankees, which are a, a pretty good team in their own right. So they did pretty well, but the problem is since they've done well the richer clubs are buying all their good players. So they're losing all their good players. Um, so the next season's looking a bit bleak. Yeah. Not looking good. And the the people running this team, the other people, the scouts and things, they've got some ideas on some players they can pick up. But Billy Bean knows that they're, they're not really going to be able to replace these super superstars and he's really concerned that it's not going to be a very good season. So he goes and finds uh, little Jonah Hill. Yeah, this is where I, this is where I joined yeah. in. Okay. So uh, do you want to pick up from when <laughs> Jonah Hill waddles onto the scene? <laughs> uh, he is at the Cleveland Indians, I think, trying yes. to negotiate a deal. And uh, Jonah Hill, to him, is just some kid. He whispers something to someone. They whisper something to the... Cleveland general manager, and all of a sudden, the trade that he wanted falls through. So he starts to wonder who this Jonah Hill guy is, why they listen to him. Yeah. And he finds out that he's a Yale economics major who has uh, developed this, like an algorithm, soft, computer software, in order to analyze statistics on baseball players. Yeah. And so they decide to use this in order to try and find players that are underrated by everyone else, hmm. uh, that they can buy cheaply, and then do well throughout the season. Mm. Because uh, they figure out, you shouldn't be buying players, you should be buying wins. Yeah. So you work out which players, like, to win, you need to get to first plate. So let's see who can get onto the base, rather than just who scores the most home runs and things like that. Yes, they try and weed out all sort of irrelevant 
considerations. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether the person is famous, whether they're charismatic, yeah. whether they're young, old, they look yeah. funny, what race they are. Yeah. It's all about stats. Yes. Who's got the stat and who can get on plate. Yeah, the main stat that they're concerned with is uh, the on-base percentage. So if you're good at walking, if you get walked a lot... It's not entertaining to watch, but you get on base. Yes. It's really uh, the same philosophy I use when I'm going to the supermarket. I want the good deal. <laughs> I, I, want, I want to be going around, getting the smart buys, getting the, the good deals, um, getting getting the type of flour that is the cheapest, but... No real worse than the expensive flour. <laughs> Way to pick the most exciting <laughs> supermarket purchase to uh, complete the analogy with. Yeah. You know, why get the red onions if you can get the brown onions for a, for a bit cheaper? So that's the idea of the film. Yeah. Uh, the film is written by Aaron Sorkin. Yes. Um, this is where I step out and you, you take over. Yeah. Now, um, Aaron Sorkin uh, has... Uh, had, Won the Oscar last year. He's, this is on the heels, or off the heels? <laughs> on the heels or off the heels? I'm going to say off, but... Okay. Uh... Off the heels <laughs> of his uh, big Oscar win last year for The Social Network. So he's riding high at the moment. Yeah, so uh, also he's had a bit of success in television over the years. <laughs> he created um, the comedy series Sports Night, which was a great comedy series and wrote most of the episodes to that. Um, that's a really good show. Look out for it if you haven't heard of it. Um, and, and a little drama series called The West Wing he also <laughs> created, uh, which is a favourite of mine. Is uh, that your favourite drama show? It's my favourite show of all time. Yeah. yeah. So, I yeah. like The West Wing. Mm. I'd say I've watched about the first four and a half seasons. Well, he left he after left the fourth after season. Four. So you've seen all of his work on The West Wing. And I'd say the show I... Varies between eight to nine out of ten. Okay, so I like it, but it's not. Yeah. it's not pretty my high, pretty high, yeah. but not your favorite. Okay, um, yeah. So I, I really um, love Aaron Sorkin. I think he think he's great. Uh, so did you feel that Moneyball was Sorkin esque in style? Um, I think it was, um, but it, it wasn't quite exactly the same as his TV shows. Um, I thought that uh, what I saw was quite Sorkin-esque was he, he does think, like, a sports night was about sports, um, but you didn't really need to like sports to like sports night because it was about the characters and about the story. Um, and I think the West Wing similarly was about politics, but you didn't have to like politics to like the West Wing, I feel. I feel if uh, the characters and the stories is sort of what, what drove it and some good dialogue. And I think it was the same with Moneyball. You didn't need to love baseball to love Moneyball. So I think that's sort of Sorkin's style. But a bit like also the social network last year, it was about Facebook, but it wasn't really about Facebook. Like, you didn't need to be on Facebook to like it, you know. You could hate Facebook and still enjoy the movie. So <laughs> I think that's sort of Sorkin-esque. Uh, the dialogue uh, was was not as fast-paced in this movie as The West Wing, probably. Uh, but there still was some, some, some good lines and some good, good little back-and-forth bits, especially the scene where all the scouts are in a circle together chatting. Yeah, I thought you could tell the dialogue had Sorkin's sense of humour yeah. in it. There were some very sharp moments, but yeah, because it focused on mainly Brad Pitt and just a few other actors, it didn't have the rapid-fire mm. exchanges between... 
uh, more characters mm. that he previously had. And maybe not as ensemble-driven as yeah. other Sorkin works. Yeah, no, definitely not. Mm. So, Sorkin had some uh, some big names that he was writing for. Yeah. Uh, the lead in the film, obviously, Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. There are actors and there are movie stars, and Brad Pitt's a movie star. Yeah. Uh, you know he is? He's the real deal. Are you a, are you a fan? I'm... Not really a fan of Brad Pitt, to be honest. Just a bit, bit sad about what you did to Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> feel a bit sorry for her. Yeah. <laughs> she had to put up with some of that. Yeah, this isn't really a relationship podcast, though. <laughs> Probably prefer your opinions on your acting ability. <laughs> okay. Do, do you like his movies? <laughs> Not particular. Like I don't. I don't like go. Oh, Brad Pitt, terrible acting. <laughs> he ruins movies. But I don't particularly love Brad Pitt's performances either. What's he been like? Benjamin Button. I thought he was good in that, but I really didn't like that movie. Uh, yeah. Um, Fight Club. Yeah, he was all right in that, but I thought uh, that Norton guy was better. And also, I didn't really love that movie. Um, what else has he been in? Well, I'll tell you what he's been in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, uh, I do like Brad Pitt. He, he does have a great screen presence. I think he is charismatic and I think he's always, you always want to know what he's going to do no matter what kind of role he's playing. I think he's quite funny in his films like Ocean's Eleven. Oh, Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, he's fine that. And I think he's, his dramatic roles are good in things like Fight Club. And as you know, probably my favourite film, The Assassination of Jesse James. Oh, he James, was in that, wasn't he? Yeah. By the crowd, Robert Ford, in which he was Jesse James. Yeah. So I might have to see Drive again, <laughs> see where I stand on that. But yeah, Assassination of James, Jesse James. Love that film. Yeah. And I love Brad Pitt. Okay. I, I think he can be funny. He's got, like, a good presence. I do find it sometimes a bit annoying, though. Um, and, like, Ocean's Eleven, he was funny, but so was Matt Damon and George Clooney. I don't really remember... Brad Pitt, like, standing out as the star of Ocean's 11, 12, and 13. Probably should have stood out with that beige suit. Fan of the beige suit? Oh, if you're Brad Pitt, I am. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, we're a bit split on Brad yeah, Pitt. Yeah, Brad's split uh, on it. Like, I don't hate him. And it's definitely, I'm not going to avoid a movie because Brad Pitt's in, but I'm probably not going to see a movie because Brad Pitt's in it. Uh, how did he go in Moneyball? Did he sway you one way or the other, or did you hold? I thought he was good in Moneyball. Yeah, I thought he was good. Yeah, I thought he was quite strong in Moneyball. He definitely, I'm not sure, I was going to say he carried the film. I'm not sure he carried the film, but he's the definitely the, he's a strong lead. He's in, the, like, the film is really his story. Yes. Um, and, yeah, if he wasn't good, the film would be in trouble. Mm. At times, I think I questioned the character's journey. I wasn't sure where he was going and how he was supposed to feel. Mm-hmm him and whether yeah. I believed the impact that certain things had in the film but I don't think that was due to Brad Pitt yeah this is interesting I found that um although it was Brad Pitt's story in some ways I was more invested in the Oakland athletics than I necessarily was in Brad Pitt's personal journey yes because this is a film about statistics and it's hard to become that emotionally invested as an audience in the success of statistics. So the film tries to 
convey the impact that the success of this statistical approach to baseball will have on the character of Billy Bean. And this is yeah. seen through his interactions with other people, particularly his daughter. Yeah. I liked those scenes by themselves. I thought she was very cute. I thought those interactions were really sweet and mm. lovely. Yeah. But I don't think they really contributed anything to the film. I kind of felt like they were a little bit shallow and that they were there in order to add an emotional element to the film but didn't really progress the story at all. Yeah, um, this is um, interesting. I think that there were two sections to this film uh, that when I first saw them, I was quite sceptical. The flashbacks and the scenes of his daughter. And when I first saw both of them, I thought, oh, no, like, get back to the team. Not interested in, like, a being sort of... I don't care about his personal, like, what he was like as a kid, and I don't care what... about his daughter or anything. I feel like, though, those scenes were used sparingly enough, and they didn't drag on or anything, that I didn't mind them. That I, I was actually fine with those scenes. I think especially the flashback scenes, it sort of gave you a bit of a background as to why he had this philosophy with choosing the team. Why he was so on board with Jonah Hill's mess. <laughs> <laughs> I, I felt the flashbacks were short and they were used sparingly enough so as not to yeah. hinder the film, yes. slow it down. However, I do think it failed to draw any strong parallels between uh, his life then and what was going on in the present timeline in the film. I don't think it really contributed a lot. I think it showed why he wanted to stick it to the scout. In a way, I see that, but I think it was it was kind of strange how part of his approach is to be not emotional and just do what's best for the team by using these statistics, mm-hmm. and that's a very sort of almost petty, irrelevant part of the yeah the the strategy. So I found that a little bit conflicting. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. So, some of the other actors uh, in the film were Jonah Hill. Yeah. I thought some of the best scenes in the film were interactions between him and Pitt. I think yeah. they were... I think those two shined when they were together. Mm. There were lots of... And I don't think... There were some great lines, but I think it was often in just the little subtle glances and sort of in inflections in their facial expressions, which yeah. made it funny. Yeah. Uh, so, I thought those two brought out... Yeah, they, they, were, they were fun, those two, uh, together. And, you know, Sorkin has that, you know, thing where he likes to put in this sort of comedic character and have a bit of good sort of chemistry between the comedy guy and this more straight man. So that was really fun. And Jonah Hill's a guy that I'm a bit annoyed at seeing him pop up in so many <laughs> movies these days, but I thought he was really good here. Uh, we also had Philip Seymour Hoffman, who is... He's probably one of my top five sort of working actors in film today. I just like him whenever I see him in a movie. Yeah, I think he often steals films in yes. supporting roles. Yeah, yeah, and I love seeing that. So I did not think he did this in Moneyball. No, he wasn't bad. I thought his... I don't think it was his performance. I just think his character was kind of one-dimensional. He has one view. It's different to Brad Pitt's. And you just don't really like the guy. He doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah. And you don't really feel like the Brad Pitt, Philip Seymour Hoffman relationship is ever really resolved. Yes. I, I agree. I agree. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman wasn't bad. I don't think any of this was his fault. But uh, this definitely wasn't one of the films which I 
would go. That's why I love Philip Seymour Hoffman. He was much better in Aaron Sorkin's Charlie Wilson's War. Yes. That was... Uh, he stole, that is something he, he stole. He stole that movie, yeah. So how did all of these elements uh, come together? How do you think the, the film was directed? How did it pan out? I thought it came together really, really well. Like, I... Um, even movies I like nowadays, I feel like I come out of most movies these days thinking whether I thought it was bad, whether I thought it was good, whether I thought it was somewhere in between, thinking I could have cut about 20, 30 minutes out of that movie <laughs> and would have enjoyed it more. Uh, I didn't feel that with this movie. Like, I felt like the flashbacks and the stuff with the girl weren't really that much of the film, so I don't really didn't really mind those at all, and I wasn't bored during them. Um, I thought, I thought, yeah, I thought it was a good, well-paced, solid film. I, I thought, you know, the performances are all nice, and it was just a great story. And I, I really, uh, there is that line that I talked about earlier, that, you know, it's hard not to get romantic about baseball. And I think you really get the sense of that in this film. You've got these ragtag group that only have, you know, $30 million worth of players versus the big teams, which have over $100 million on their players. And you see them, like, really sort of... Uh, try this crazy sort of scheme and getting players and it's just a lot of fun and I know you don't see much baseball in this movie for a baseball movie but boy I was on the edge of my seat at one point just (laughs) gripped to like really invested in this team and really wanting them to win and yeah I was just really really gripped at one point in this movie wanting them to win a game obviously it's based on a true story yeah so we uh, should probably point that out and say that spoilers will be readily available (laughs) on the internet (laughs) sorry it's uh based on a true story so i'm assuming there's quite a few people in america who remember this season and will know some of these uh details about who wins the world series that year and various other things that happen that season but for me who had no idea. I wasn't really following baseball in 2002. Uh, I had no idea how it was going to turn out, and I really liked that. So if you're going to see the movie, don't don't go online and see who won that season. Just just watch the just watch uh, watch the movie, and because I was on the edge of my seat. There were a couple of things that came up for me. One of them was that one of them was that the film had to find the balance between being too baseball heavy and too stat heavy yeah. for just casual audiences. Mm-hmm but also showing enough of the progression, what was actually going on behind the scenes. Yeah. I felt like, although they referred to uh, numbers a bit, which Mm. might put off some people, I actually felt like they didn't go into enough depth. Because to me, they just kind of said that, oh, we have this, we use stats and algorithms and computers and whatnot. I would have thought that everyone would be using this. I mean, the only reason why Jonah Hill had that job in Cleveland is because, like, he was being listened to there. Yeah. So I wanted to know exactly what was different, because I know people have been using stats in baseball for a long time. Yeah. It was just how heavily they were using it. And I wanted to know exactly how this program or whatever worked, exactly what they were putting into the computer and what was different about the stats that they were producing that everyone else had. And I didn't yeah. feel like I learned that. Okay. In the film. Okay. Also with the film, I felt like, because it was trying to find the balance a lot of the time between personal life, baseball, and mm. statistics yep. and the audience. 
it seemed a bit a bit all over the place with the pacing. Mm-hmm. I felt like it kind of went back and forth, and at times when I just wanted to focus on the baseball, and when that was exciting, it would go somewhere else. Yeah, and uh, it was a little a little jarring for me. Mm-hmm. So then the film built up to sort of a climax. There was this scene which was quite long and drawn out, mm-hmm. and when that was completed, I didn't really feel it was actually that climactic. And then there was another. 20, 30 minutes of film, which were a little bit unsatisfying to me. Okay. I kind of felt like that was an epilogue. Mm-hmm. And part part of that is is due to the restraints of what actually happened, because mm-hmm. this is a biopic yeah. of sorts, but yeah. I felt it could have been paced a little bit differently to keep keep my interest and energy up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fair enough. I uh, don't agree with all those points. Uh, some of them are valid. <laughs> <laughs> Does that take us to our screen verdict? Yeah, I think it does take us to our screen verdict. Um, what, are your, what are your final thoughts on the film, Matt? I think it's um, a great uh, story about um, the sort of the underdogs uh, going against the institution. Um, and I think um, it's uh, exciting. It's well told. Well done. I'm going to give this one a 8.5 out of 10. 8.5. Yeah. Is that the highest film rating you've given on the probably, podcast? Probably. Probably. Okay. I like Brad Pitt. Yeah. I like Aaron Sorkin. I like baseball. Had quite a few tools in order for me to be a fan of this film, yeah. but I was a little disappointed. Okay. Especially knowing it was supposed to be one of the Oscar frontrunners and mm-hmm. generally people, Metacritic, they liked it. But yeah, I think at times it was funny. I think the dialogue was sharp. The performances were very good, but I felt the... Pacing was a bit bit all over the place, and I feel like it didn't really get to the heart of baseball, and it didn't really get to the heart of the his personal relationships. I think it found a middle ground between the two, and for me was only relatively satisfying as opposed to particularly enjoyment-inducing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give this a 6.5 out of 10. Okay. Mm-hmm. Bit low. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so... Perhaps wait for the DVD. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think go out and see it now. It's a great movie. <laughs> go out and see it now. I thought it'd be fun to play a little uh, little Oscar game uh, using the same philosophy as Moneyball. Yeah, uh, what we've done is uh, we have to try and pick actors. Four actors. In uh, each of the Oscar acting categories. Yeah. Buy them, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, based on their prices on the Hollywood Stock Exchange website. Yeah. Hollywood Stock Exchange has, uh, for pretty much every actor, a price that yeah. they're trading at at that moment. So we've just gone on and had a look. Any actor that they didn't have on there, we just said $25. A quarter of the amount we were able to spend. Yeah. Which, for an actor that isn't even on the Hollywood Stock Exchange, yeah. is quite an expensive price. <laughs> And so we've limited ourselves to only $100, mm-hmm. so we can't buy all the most expensive actors. We don't have big money like the Yankees do. Yeah, we this, we are the Oakland A's of... Uh, yeah, yeah. Of Oscar picks. Yeah, so we limited ourselves to $100. For example, someone like Brad Pitt might be 80 or so, so we yeah. couldn't buy four Brad Pitts. No. We've picked uh, four actors in the acting categories. My picks... So, so just how the scoring works, for every Oscar nomination that these actors pick up, and they can get multiple. They could get nominated in multiple categories. Yet, fifty fifty dollars. Yeah. If they win the Oscar, get two hundred dollars. 
And whoever best utilizes the hundred dollars that we have mm-hmm. uh, in order to make the most money uh, at the end of the Oscars yeah. uh, wins the Moneyball mm-hmm. Oscar actor game. Yes, and to help figure out who did have good chances of winning the Oscars, we went to goldderby.com, <laughs> leading website for Oscar picks. Uh, there's actually a prediction centre there where they've got odds for all the all the candidates. I feel like you're good at plugging other podcasts and uh, <laughs> websites, and you do a rather poor job of plugging, of plugging our own podcast elsewhere. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> I'm always talking about our podcast <laughs> with friends. Okay, that's good to know. So anyway, the four actors that I have picked yeah. are Ryan Gosling, Glenn Close, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and Evan Rachel Wood, and I spent a total of $90.05. Yeah, so some uh, buys there. We'll see how they turn out. <laughs> um, I got uh, the lead actor from The Artist. I don't know his name. Jean um, Dujardin. Yeah, okay, Jean Dujardin. Don't know how you pronounce it. I think it's French, so <laughs> probably... Dujardin. Jean Dujardin. Dujardin. Whatever. Uh, Michelle Williams, Christopher Plummer, and Emily Watson for $82.27. So we'll see who gets the greatest return. When can we trade? Can we? Is there a trade cutoff? Trade cutoff. What date is the Oscars? I don't know. Uh, okay, let's just say the end of the year. Okay, okay. End of the calendar year. So yeah, we'll see who makes the most money out of this game. And you guys can join too. Yeah. So if you guys want to pick four actors from the Hollywood Stock Exchange. They, they come to under $100. Yeah, limit yourself to $100. Post it on the Screen Verdict uh, Facebook yeah. page. Yeah. And uh, there might be something in it for... Yeah, we'll, we'll send you a prize to the winner. Yeah, we'll send a prize to the winner. If you beat us, then yeah. we get the prize. Yeah. Mate, what about you get a uh, baseball signed by you and me? <laughs> That's a very good prize. Yeah, I think that's a good prize. How much does a baseball cost? <laughs> Not much. Okay, there you go. There's the prize. Brilliant. But the signatures, priceless. Yeah, we want um, more. <laughs> we want more entries for this competition than our nude photo competition yeah. from the crazy stupid. Fingers are still crossed. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, that one's open. So yeah, yeah tell your friends about the competition. Bring yeah. some more fans to the podcast. The podcast has been doing. Pretty well. Pretty We've got well. some exciting news. I think we should probably announce this at the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> well, that's okay. We're announcing it now. Okay. The podcast has cracked in terms of our total downloads for all our podcasts has cracked the 1,000 download barrier. Yeah. So before this podcast is being released, we were up to 1,116 downloads. Yeah. So, Very exciting. Um, we're setting the internet on fire. <laughs> the screen verdict. I'm surprised the internet can keep up with that. Yes. And with you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, thank you to all the, the yeah, screen Yeah, thanks to everyone fans. for listening um, to the podcast. Or you've downloaded just one of them or heaps. Uh, thanks heaps for that. That's really appreciated. And uh, you can follow us on the Facebook fan page. Now, we've got one other thing we wanted to talk about. Uh, there was some big news in the entertainment entertainment industry this week. Um, some hugely controversial news. Um, it was People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive was announced the yeah. past week. Um, and For those who don't know, but I'm sure you all do. I'm sure you've seen the rioters in your street. Yeah. <laughs> and this is... Uh, Probably, would you say, this is the most controversial award 
since Obama won the Nobel Prize? I think it's probably the most controversial since Brian Cranston didn't win this year's lead actor <laughs> award at the Emmys. Despite not having had something yeah, submitted to anyway. that year. Was Brian Cranston the sexiest man alive? <laughs> uh, well, the controversy was that Bradley Cooper yeah. from the Hangover movies, who's yeah. in Limitless this year yeah. as well, he won the award. Yeah. There was another actor that a reasonable amount of people wanted to see it go to. Yeah. He's now been mentioned, I think, perhaps this is the third or so podcast he's yeah. featured in, mm. Ryan Gosling. Yes. Had hordes of fans or upset. A lot of people. There was, a, I know there's a lot of protests going on at New York at the moment. There was one outside the People magazine office with about 15 people with Ryan Gosling masks protesting how Ryan Gosling could not be named Sexiest Man Alive. Uh, <laughs> not, we, we put a poll on the screen voting Facebook yeah, page. Yeah. Perhaps should have done it a little earlier than three hours ago. <laughs> Where you could vote for who you thought should have yeah, won it. weigh in on this. We're, we're, if you had to choose between Gosling and Cooper, who would you choose? Well, I think we put up eight options of some of the names yeah. that were being thrown around. Yeah. Uh, and I voted for Ryan Gosling. Okay. Now, I believe there is a certain amount of buzz and hype that is involved with who gets voted in this. I think if uh, you'd have asked me beforehand... Gosling or Cooper, I probably would have said Gosling, but I wouldn't have felt passionate about it. Yeah. But now that I've seen Drive, I'm like, oh man, that Gosling, he got snubbed so hard. Yeah. Yeah, this is it. But Bradley Cooper, I think, objectively, I think is probably a sexier man than Gosling. (laughs) I just think he's, like, he's got a bit more charm with his face, a bit more of a smile and stuff. I think Gosling's got that too cool for school look that... (laughs) Looks like he's trying a bit too hard. That being said, you think, like, Gosling has had the better year. Like, you feel like he's been in a lot of movies. You feel like he's where the cultural zeitgeist is (laughs) a bit more than Bradley Cooper, who was in The Hangover 2, which wasn't that well-reviewed and things. So So in the poll, we have three votes. We have a three-way tie. (laughs) Um... I voted for Ryan Gosling. Who did you yeah. vote for? I voted for George Clooney. I love Clooney. I know he's a bit old, but he's just got so much charm. He's like such a nice guy. And we've had a Screen Verdict fan actually add their own option to the poll. Yeah. They we, didn't choose from one of the eight we had. Yeah, no, we put Bradley Cooper there, obviously. Yeah, it was an option. We put Brad Pitt. We put Ryan Reynolds, who won last year. We put Johnny Depp. We put Denzel Washington. We didn't want to come across as racist. <laughs> Um, and we put John Hamm from Mad Men, because we love the Mad Men. <laughs> uh, no, uh, we've, the, we've, we've had a ninth submission yeah, added. These eight weren't good enough. Yeah. We've we obviously forgotten about someone. Uh, Brad Jones has decided to add the option Matt Noble. <laughs> How do you feel? You are currently in a three-way tie as the sexiest man alive, along with <laughs> Ryan Gosling and George Clooney. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a little disappointing... Uh, Females have not waited. <laughs> In our poll. Um, look, it's obviously an honour um, to be considered sexiest man alive. Yeah, you don't expect these kinds of things to come along. So that poll is still open if you'd like yeah, to... Yeah, we'll, we'll leave this going for the week and maybe give an update on how this poll's going next week. Yeah, you can go on there, help separate the tie, maybe yep. put Matt over the edge or... <laughs> 
side with me and uh, and vote for Ryan Gosling. <laughs> Do you feel a bit disappointed that no one's added you? <laughs> I'm just going to say that you were the, the better comedy option to add <laughs> over me. <laughs> I think I like. I'm not jealous. I'm not jealous. Okay, I, I, I think I think you deserve it. It's, it's very oh, well thank done. you. Yeah. yeah. I've, well, I've been working on working on my look and things like that. Today. No, though not too hard. <laughs> not too. It's effortless. Yeah. It's effortless. I've, Still I've been working hard to effortlessly <laughs> look sexy. So yeah, hit up the Facebook fan page. Yeah. Uh, download the. Podcast. I think it's good for screen verdicts. To have the sexiest man alive on the podcast. We can put that in the promos. Yeah. Featuring yeah. Screen Verdict, it's Sexiest like, Man Alive. Hello, Internet. My name is Jonathan Cook. I'm welcoming <laughs> Sexiest Man Alive, Matthew Noble. Thanks, Jonathan. <laughs> Here's my sexy opinion on Moneyball. I would never say I'm the sexiest man alive. <laughs> because I feel like that in itself is not a sexy thing to be saying. We'll see. We'll yeah. see if you can resist uh, bringing that up in the future. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming this will be followed with a lot of uh, requests for us to be a video podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, until then, thanks for listening, and we'll see yeah. you guys next week. Yeah, see you. Bye. <laughs>